The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is sponsored by Steeped Coffee. Steeped Coffee is a new brewing method that combines specialty craft coffee into a single serving bag. You don't need a machine. You don't have to make a mess. All you have to do is add hot water wherever you go. Each steep pack is individually sealed. It's nitrogen flush, so it stays fresh. And it's got this special full immersion filter. And the filter is ultrasonic sealed, which means it's sealed together with no glue or no staples. So there's no weird stuff floating around your coffee. Steeped is a benefit B Corp. They ethically source all their coffee. Their packaging is fully compostable and they believe that business should be done without compromise. You can get your hands on steeped coffee packs at steepedcoffee.com. That's S-T-E-E-P-E-D coffee.com. Asking your local retail stores to start carrying steeped or having your favorite roastery reach out and kind of get in touch. If you're in Santa Cruz, come on by any of the Cat and Cloud locations. We have it there for you. Basically, they're just doing their best to change the coffee industry, make your life more convenient with their pre-portioned, pre-ground innovation. So tell all your friends. Welcome back, dude. Thanks, man. It's been a good time. There's been two podcasts in a row of me by myself. Has it been two in a row? Two in a row. Oh, because we banked some of the ones. Not at this current moment. Yeah. Oh, in the world. By the time that this one comes out, there will have been two in a row of me by myself. Dopio. (laughs) Hey, you guys got a sick dopio from George Baca. That's kind of on a rant. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. Did well, you just answer a lot of uh, guests' I did questions? Instagram Q and A. Mm-hmm. Two mm-hmm. versions of Instagram Q and A because I asked one day and then got a bunch of questions. Mid made the first podcast midway through that day, and then the questions kept coming. Good questions. They just kept rolling. A lot of good questions. Sick. Some of them that we should talk about later. Okay. Um, in maybe another podcast. Let's. But I think this podcast. I want to talk about Honduras. I think that's a great idea. Because you just went to Honduras. And Man. there's a rich there's a rich history. Rich connection, rich history. Like why did you even go to Honduras? Uh, I went to Honduras. It's the only place that I'm going to commit my time, actually, as far as origin trips go. And our company goes to a lot of different origins, and we mean to build relationships. This is gonna be the one that I stick with. Um, part of the reason is that last year Chris and I got to go for the first time. We'd kind of I mean, I'm speaking for Chris a little bit, but I think that I went kind of thinking that kind of all origin trips were kind of similar in some way, shape, or form. Like, you know, you go, you cup the coffee, maybe you meet a farmer too, but it's always very transactional. And we got there last year and it was apparent that that was not the case. So Benjamin Paz, you can definitely go back on Chris's YouTube, our our website, I think we might have some video of, of Benjamin walking us through San Vicente, their big, huge mill. Yep, there's a mill video. Yeah, so his family, his family's owned that mill forever. So they all live on a little compound together. His, his, he lives with his parents still. He's 33. That's not a bad thing. That's culturally normal. His uncle lives there who also works at the mill. There's this whole connection, and he is personally invested in the lives of the people around the country that serve coffee, specifically in the area of Peña Blanca, which is North Honduras, all the way leading up to um, a place called Cabanas, especially, which is bordering El Salvador. And so he gives and cares deeply for people. He works so hard. That guy is nonstop all day, every day from like December through June. And when I say nonstop all day, every day, I mean literally People on people on people come, and he liaisons them up and down this mountain of Santa Barbara, which is a huge mountain, and there's a bunch of growing spots on that mountain and little cities and communities where we get coffee. So, you know, there's Damien Chavez, which you saw me post on Instagram. Potentially, you saw Chris video and post back in the day, which we did some fun things with. But there's these people that we really have genuine connections to that really care 
about not only us in our relationship as human beings, but also care about the quality of the coffee they serve us. They represent us well. We, I feel a personal responsibility to represent them well and to have a partnership where we can help their lives improve. So yeah, it was powerful last year. I was able to see a significant improvement in their lives based on us showing up, purchasing their coffee. Everybody we're working with, with the exception of one or two farmers, are new to the specialty coffee game. Yeah, so I mean, that's a quick sum up as, as to why I want to be there. But it is true, like being invited into the home, spending hours upon hours with these people, working through a language barrier and feeling a genuine connection is very powerful to me. And I want to be able to share those things in a way where the coffee story is a story that's not for selling, but a story of for connecting the people who buy our coffee to that origin. Mini tangent. How did it feel? Because when we all came back last year, we're all like, we're going to learn Spanish for sure. Yeah. And nobody did. So true, true story. It felt, it felt the same. But I think now I have more of, I think, what could be an action plan. So I actually, um, we have a guy who comes into our shop. His name's Peter. He comes in every morning and he's fluent in Spanish. He's, he's, he's a polyglot. Yeah, exactly. He's he, like, I think insane. he's like seven or eight languages. Yes. And I'm, I actually am going to connect with him to see if there's a way for us to maybe, if he'd be willing to like trade a coffee gift card to have like a standing twice a month coffee, whatever, Spanish speaking something. I downloaded a little app that I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to learn Spanish so that I can have true conversations with people there just because I think you can teach an old dog new tricks and it's something that's worthwhile to me. Um, Cheryl's does it for us. She's taught herself Spanish, but yeah, that part's hard. I feel bummed. Uh, It's way harder for them to learn English than it is for us to learn Spanish. So it's on me a little bit. What do you think is the biggest difference? So you've been to Origin a bunch of different times. Yeah. And then what separates, aside from that personal connection that everybody here kind of feels with Ben Hameen, yeah. because he's just such an approachable guy, and you talk to him for like 15 minutes and you can tell, I think you can tell, like, this dude cares. Mm-hmm. He's not bullshitting. He's not just a salesperson. He really cares about you, and he really cares about the people that he's speaking on their behalf, which are the coffee producers. Right. But other than that, what what makes the big difference between that and like a visit to Guatemala and Antigua or Mm -hmm. going to Costa Rica? What about Damien or or Wilson makes it feel special? So in my previous trips to places like Costa Rica and Guatemala, you're going with an importing company for one. And the importing company then purchases the coffee from whomever. So they liaison essentially your ability to pick a coffee, but they still have the relationship with the farmer. Ben Hameen liaisons export and packaging of the coffee. So all the coffee in that area gets delivered in parchment, which means it's already processed somewhere. And then he essentially quality controls it by sending it through a lot of extra sorting, scores it a score, and then sells it to the people. What that means for us is that Ben Hamin takes us up to these farms and we actually connect with our farmer. That farmer is talking to me. It, it is essentially the true, f- the truest form, I believe, of the direct trade that I would like to have in my life, in our life, because I physically go up, hang out with my farmer friend, Damien, who they're not a farmer. It's not my farmer, right? It, we hang out with this human being who works really hard, Damien, Wilson Morales. We have some fun ones coming, but Pedro Moreno. And you learn from them, you see what they're doing, you see how their lives going, you see how 
buying the coffee has affected what's happening there from them, from their mouth, from the source. And there is a legitimate bond that happens and they're willing to put in a lot of hard work and effort in probably the same way some of these other farmers are, but what they're doing is they also feel the connection. And that to me is, is the true human. It's the thing that pulls at my heartstring. So I'm there with these people and you know, you go on this cupping table too. We cup everything blind. And what's been great is that our coffee's come out on the top of the cupping table. So we're doing well. And on top of that, if you find some other coffees that are good, Benjamin takes you to their farm and says, hey, these people are interested in buying your coffee. It scored really well. Can we see your farm? No, no, no. And these people are really excited. They're, they're just like, oh my gosh, really? Like, it truly changes their lives. You see them light up. And so the, there's just... There's this thing. They are so proud. Wilson's like, Wilson Morales, I'm not on Facebook anymore. And he's like, I can't find you on Facebook. And so I'm like, oh, I'm only on Instagram now. But if you follow us on Instagram, we'll see all your stories. And all of a sudden, the next day, boom, he gets his Instagram. He's locked in. He's following Cat and Cloud. He's following us. Not only that, he's like posting pictures. Like I gave him a hat. And he's just, he's so proud to represent us too. And it's just this, it's a mutual love and respect that happens there. And in, in Costa Rica and the other places I've been, it's like, oh, cool. Another coffee buyer's here. I wonder if it's something to do with when you go on these trips that are parts of bigger groups, and we're super grateful to be part of these trips. Don't get me wrong. They're, 100%. Really, they're, they're really, really awesome. But there is something different about being one of you know 20 people that show up to a farm. So you got a big bus, 20 people get off on the farm, and it's really unclear as to who's buying what coffee from here. Is anybody buying coffee from here? Yeah. Or is it more of just like a field trip? which is a great experience in and of itself, depending depending on the level that you're at. And what you're trying to get out and of it. And what you're trying to get out of yeah. it. So for someone who's first time to origin, oh my God, that's fucking mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. You're like, I can't even believe, one, I'm at a coffee farm, two, these people are talking to me, and I'm surrounded by a group of other baristas, roasters, and green buyers who feel the same passion that I do. Yeah. And that is incredibly powerful. Right. But there's that lack of maybe direct connection to where you go sit in Damien's living room and you're, you know, looking him in the eye and you guys are struggling through conversation in two different languages. And the only reason it's worth the struggle is because you have this intense personal connection that means so much to you. Yeah. And it means a lot to him as well. Like, so he also said, make sure to tell you hi. And he can't wait for you to come back. He was really excited to have Jen Swen. She's um, a coordinator in our roastery. She roasted most of our coffee. She got to bring him his coffee roasted. He got to serve it to us. It was this whole thing. He's also totally a family man, so I'm a little bit of a sucker for that. It's like he's the only man in his house, and there's four daughters and his wife there too. So it's it's really fun to kind of see this this dude provide. He like left for five years to the states to to be able to like buy some more land to get more specialty coffee. Which also, by the way, because of the amount of coffee, because we buy all of his coffee, he just purchased another plot of land, and I'm. So psyched. It's like up even higher. No way. Oh, yeah, bro. It's I'll show you some pictures, which Chris doesn't know a lot of this. I just got back like yesterday. Uh, so he's got a whole nother farm. He's going to be able to plant some coffee. So two years or so from there. The other thing that's neat is because of us buying all of Wilson's coffee, Wilson was able to hire a farm manager. That farm manager he's paying, and that farm manager is also going to pick up some land and plant coffee and hopes to work with us too. And part of our commitment to buying some of these farmers all their, their lot of like, you know, 18, 10 to 18 bags of coffee, which just so you all know, that's not a ton of not coffee a in the coffee. scheme of coffee businesses, but it's a lot there. These 
people are able to provide for more people. And that's what their aim is too. So when we, as our company, aim to build people up around us and not just solely win for Charles, Chris, and myself, their approach over there is the same thing. Damien's supporting two of his kids to go to private high school and to have a better life, quote unquote, you know, like to chase their dreams. It's, it's truly perpetuating like a better world for everybody. And I get, I get to be a part of that on a real level. So yeah, it is like, I'm very happy and honored when I get to go to other origins, but there's a secondary disconnect of like the relationship is really the importer's relationship with these farmers. And I, I think they care a lot. I know they care a lot, but it's not, it's not my personal relationship with the farmers. Do you think economics comes into play? And what I mean is this, there are some farmers, like let's take Damien, for example, he lives in the area where his farm is. He's by all intents and purposes, like a regular guy. He's got a regular house. It's not fancy. He doesn't really have anything he doesn't need. And he works for, he works for his living. I mean, most people work for their living, but in contrast to someone who is still a farmer, but more along the lines of what you might think of a farmer in the States, i.e. a really rich landowner where they have these huge farms, huge plots of lands that have, that have been in their family for generations and generations and generations. And you go to these estates, quote unquote, and it's almost like you're in a fucking castle, right? which is incredible to see. But when I'm there, I feel a little, I feel a little small Mm -hmm. almost. And like maybe, you know, the contribution doesn't mean as much or totally you're already good. I don't know. No, it does for me. It's, you know, it's, and it's a little bit, it's, it's driven for the right reasons, but it's totally self-serving in that of itself too. It's like, I want to feel like I'm making a difference. And like we are in all the other places we buy too. So, you know, that's not to be dismissed, but at the same time, I think one of the biggest things that we'd like to do as a company is tell an authentic, true story. So we bring people to origin so that they can have a true story on their own about what's happening, how it affects them, and they can speak on their own behalf and not regurgitate what we say. So I can very much more clearly tell stories from the farmers and the farms that I go to with 100% accuracy and confidence when I go and do what we just did and, and do in Honduras, which is why I'll always go to Honduras, versus going to where you meet a farmer who talks to the group of people, has amazing practices, produces amazing coffee that I love, but then you most likely don't see them much more after that. And it's not essentially about our personal connection. It's just, we're not, we're not the ones who are really making the difference. And right now there's an opportunity in Honduras and I'm sure a lot of other areas where there's new development to be those companies. And that means a lot to me. There's a lot of young farmers there too. Everybody is for the most part, the ones I'm dealing with are like mid late forties to our age to younger like Dune, who was with us. So Matt, shout out to Matt Fuel and Todd Stewart from Dune. They were with us. Really awesome story. New farmer next door to Wilson. I felt really proud of myself. I blindly was cupping on the table and was like, I bet you that's Wilson's coffee. And, and Ben, I mean, like, why do you think that? And I was like, it just has a similar taste. And at the end of the day, it was literally the neighboring farm on the same little hill. Oh, that's funny. And they have like small amount of coffee. And he's like, I was hoping that the Dune guys would like it too, which they did. And they went and established like this two younger, like Matt fuel age, like 24, 25 year old dudes and and their aunt are like growing this coffee and it's turning out really good. And you just get to 
you get to be there for their first year and the amount of money they make from us buying this coffee is game changer for them. It's just so fun. It feels awesome. What do you think the right way to talk about coffee is in the context of marketing or in your company? So we bring people there, they get to have this experience so they can speak on it. There's, there, there can be this feeling that people use origin, people use farmers and producers in their marketing and make it sound like, look, these people only get to exist because of us and mm. we're like the saviors of the world and also totally. use them to leverage their brand. Meanwhile, yeah, sure, like we buy coffee from them, but we're not paying them in the same way that you would pay someone else to run advertising. We're basically having them advertise for us. What do you think is the most like authentic yeah. way to talk about those things? Yeah, that, I mean, I, <clears throat> I don't think... We're at any sort of advantage because we come from privilege anyway. So it kind of, you're, it's stacked against you no matter what. Anybody could find an argument, especially if they don't know you or they don't know your motivations. No matter what I say, somebody could essentially say, under all that, he's trying to sell. And there's the truth of, obviously, we're trying to sell the coffee because it helps. But I don't think... There's a better way to share than allowing people to go for themselves and to come back and talk about it themselves. And that's just like, there's no, there's no closer way to have the truth because there is no way around us having a business that needs to sell coffee, that needs to be profitable. You can't get around it. So when Jen Swen goes and she goes, this trip far outweighed my expectations. I feel so connected to this place. I feel confident in being able to speak about what I know about this place. Then, you know, if nothing else, people can feel authenticity when they speak with you in person. And hopefully they can feel authenticity when we speak about these things on our podcast and our videos and our website. Our job is to actually work towards authenticity as best we can. Because you're, you're right. There, there's no way to fully prove that we're not trying to sell. Cause, totally. Because we are. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I it's think, hard. I think the context in which you package it in matters so much and what the goal or what you build your marketing for your company on. So right. I talked about this last episode, which you'll listen to in the future. Think about that shit oh, for a second. Future past. Our marketing and the story that we tell on a regular basis isn't based upon buying and sourcing the best coffees or being some sort of savior for farmers or having direct trade relationships with anybody. And I argue if we took those away completely, we would still have a successful business. Mm -hmm. No big deal. Mm -hmm. And our, our story is based mostly on trying to help other people, help other people grow into, into the best versions of themselves, you know, yeah. leave everybody happier than you found them. Right. Our value system is based around that. And that's in the context in which we tell those stories. So what, what you're telling me about Damien and Wilson and being able to purchase more land or hire more employees and get more people work, that resonates so hard with me. And that's, yeah. that to me is cooler than saying, oh, yeah, I met my farmer, mm -hmm. which don't get me wrong. Meeting Damien and Wilson was fucking fantastic. Yeah. And like one of the best weekends, like definitely the best origin trip that I've ever had, mm -hmm. like by a large margin. Mm -hmm. But I think it's so cool to have that like values alignment. And we can say like, you know, we're helping people help other people. Yeah. We're not responsible for Damien's well-being. No. Know? I mean, let's be clear. If we don't buy their coffee, somebody else will. Right. Because it's good. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, like we're picking some of the best coffee up there. So great. Like, I mean, the true story is as you drive into these towns, you may have seen it in some of the past videos. You may not. I don't really have it on video this much, but it is literally house by house by house. That's so-and-so. They sell the heart. That's so-and-so. They, smell, they sell to whatever, madcap across the street. That's so-and-so. They sell this. this. This, It's literally every house has a farm that's sold to somebody in the state. So if I didn't pick up this coffee, there's no joke. I just said at the beginning of this, rollover on rollover of person and person and person coming to purchase coffee. And if we don't pick it up, it's on the coffee cupping table for somebody else to pick up. So I think maybe the proof is in the pudding of the way these companies represent the coffee on the other side of it. So maybe what you could do is go online and look at the difference between the way we talk about our coffees from Honduras and the way everybody else talks about their coffees in Honduras. And maybe you can make your decisions based on things like that and what resonates with you. Because at the end of the day, all the coffee's good. If, you know, like we're not, nobody's buying coffee that's not good unless they're committed to relationships. And here's what I mean by that, which is really cool. We are picking up some coffee that's Pacus that didn't score as high last year or this year as it did last year. It's still good. What he's going to do, though, with the rest of it that did work out is he tried an anaerobic process on it, and it turned out really awesome. All that means to everybody who's listening is in, it's different in a different country, but all they do is they pick the cherry, they seal it up in a bag so no oxygen gets in or out for a couple of days and leave it in the cold. It's supposed to allow all the natural enzymes and things to start pre-breaking it down, absorbing more sweetness, blah, blah, blah. Basically, he did that as a trial on one bag because he delivered two bags only of what will be, I think, eight of this Pacus variety, which is one of many varieties for people who don't know that. And it turned out to be one of the better coffees on the table. And so it's like, cool. And I get there and he gets that feedback live from me. And he's like, yeah, I was scared to do any more. And I was like, do it all anaerobic. It's fine. <laughs> like it's going to be, it's better. So I'm cool with that. And that that's phone? your phone. Seriously? Yeah. Somebody must've called you twice. That is super weird. Chris got a call, dude. That never happens. Who can it be? Is it Chuck? It's Alex Mars. Hang on one second. Everybody will put him on. Let's see what happens. Alex Mars here on the podcast. What? Yeah, you're live on the podcast right now. The podcast? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, Are you at the cafe? I am at the cafe. Is it cool if I uh, come see you after Jared and I finish recording this? Absolutely. Um, Shout out to the world. Yeah, if you want to do a shout out right now, go for it. Yeah, I I love you guys. I love you, too. See, Alex loves you. <laughs> that's what's up. All right, I'll talk to you soon, man. Okay, bye-bye. And that's the world we live in, bay, 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 bay. Dude, that's super funny. Well, that was Alex. Man, I hope it wasn't important. <laughs> yeah, one just, hour's worth of important. I just dissed him. Yeah, everything can wait, like, 15 minutes. He'll whatever. be fine. He'll be fine. He'll yeah. be fine. He's a big kid. He's thinking. I'm thinking. We're thinking. I'm thinking maybe we could think this thing together. Yeah. Anyway, so long and the short of it, there's... Oh gosh, where we were going somewhere. Basically, long, he, there's we. we were the going coffee's anaerobic. All, the coffee's all good up there. Anaerobic coffee. That's just like a. We'll whole commit side to pocket. buying it. We'll commit blah, to buying because that's a relationship, and a relationship is that's what a relationship means to us. Is we're going to support them because we know there's quality, and and we also know that they're trying. So he's he's literally w- like weeding and and doing organic practices and all these things that you get to see. But even crazier, and I'm not the professional. He we get there and he like asked me if I want him to do anything with the coffee differently and he, he truly wants to partner up like he wants our feedback in a way where it's like yeah he's willing to try some stuff and and i think that's really fun too 
uh, it's not my place you, to tell a farmer how to farm, so I don't. But at the same time, I do get to see the cup quality at the end and see how it worked. And so I was able to be like, you don't have to be afraid of trying anaerobic coffee on this packet because we're going to buy it anyway and we're going to make it work. And that was fun for me to be able to feel his weight release a little bit knowing that he could keep moving forward. We talk about in business and with our employees the idea that mistakes are okay and everyone's going to make mistakes no matter what. And mm -hmm. the idea of failing forward and learning from them and just having that be a part of the process. And it's interesting to see that extended to origin because, you know, everyone wants to be direct trade until something's not perfect. Everyone wants to have a relationship until the coffee's like a little bit lower quality for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, whoops, mm -hmm. you're not, maybe I won't buy this anymore. And that's just kind of weird. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make me feel that good. And Here's the thing. Un unless the coffee is fucking garbage, which it's not going to be, mm -hmm. because oh, you know the quality of the farm. Like, maybe you get hit with Roya super bad, but I... And they have this year. If you're going to claim that you have a relationship with someone, I'm sorry, the burden's on you to figure out what the fuck to do with that coffee or shut the fuck up about having a relationship with that mm -hmm. person. 100%. And you can figure out something to do with it. I mean, buy it, roast it dark. You probably have a dark roast, Buy it, roast it dark, donate it to somebody. Right. You know? Well, I mean, the other thing, though, at the end of the day, you can, you can roast coffee well enough to bring it up one to two points, period. No matter what. Like, they're <laughs> not roasting that coffee like we roast that coffee at Origin when you taste it. So if you get there, you need to hopefully be the kind of green buyer, cupper, that can taste for potential based on hopefully actually knowing what your roasting capabilities are and the people you have and your understanding of that process. If you go there and your company is so disconnected from each other that you're just like, no, because it doesn't taste great right here, that's wrong. Like you should be able to have a quality human being and roaster that is able to make and optimize something in front of you. No doubt the coffees there that I tasted that are like 85 to 86s, you can get home and turn them into 88 coffees. And that's also on you. Just like some people are turning 89-point coffees into 84-point coffees. In more people are doing that. And <laughs> <laughs> more people are doing that, and that is a thing. I don't toot the horn too much, but I'm really confident about our ability to maximize flavor potential in the roaster. The roastery crew does a really awesome job of reproducing what those coffees can be, like bringing this just bringing the juice out of the coffee, that mm -hmm. nuance, and I fucking love that. And that's I why I love drinking our coffee. It's why every time I go on vacation, no matter where I go for coffee, I'm always happy to come back. And yeah, yeah, fucking write in and tell me, like, well, of course you're like, you're primed to like your own coffee because, you know, you get used to your stuff and it's your preferences. Sure. Yeah, I get it, I get it. We are. I'm down. Yeah. But we developed it like this for a reason, and I'm really happy about it. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, and it's it was even true, you know, there. It's like... um the Dune and the French Press squad, we were aligned on most of the coffees, but it's true. Like, blind on the table, we all liked the coffees that we had previously bought and known the best, which Makes should sense. be the case. But, we, you know, you don't know on the table. So that part's neat. And, and the, the other thing is, is that we also scored the other person's coffee high, too, even though it wasn't the highest. So it's like game recognized game and the quality it just doesn't have to be your favorite. And guess what? It's fine. Not everybody likes the exact same wine or beer or whiskey or mezcal. They all have things that make them the one you like. Perfect. Enjoy the bigger piece of pie, everybody. There's no right or wrong. 
<laughs> Did you do anything else in Honduras that we didn't do last time? Like, uh, uh, yeah, chicharrones, man. Chicharrones. I'll never forget them. I have to figure them out. Chicharrones are not pork skins. There, you get everything. So all the street, we ate a lot of street food actually, and didn't try the soup. Did you did you poop like I did last nope, time? Nope, nope. I think it was the soup. I think it was the soup. Probably the soup. Yeah, Ben Hummings like he thinks that the soup is just is just theoretically hard on some of us white folks tum tums. But um, yeah, we did a bunch of new things. I mean, new parts of the mountain. So we went over to Pablo Cruz's side of the mountain in Las Vegas. So Las Vegas is the municipality that actually El Cedral and all that's still in, even though it's like quite a bit different. Went over there. We got. Fresh honey from a hive that Pablo keeps in front of his house because oh, of God, that sounds so good. It was, and it was crazy because apparently some bees don't sting. So the bees he has on his front porch in a log that he brought down from the mountain don't sting. So I was tripping. He's like, opens it up and starts pounding on it to get the honey out, which they only do once a year. And they decided to do it now for all of us Jeez. instead of in May. So that was a huge honor. But yeah, we saw that side of the mountain, which is where um, G&B buys some of their coffee, and it was really cool and pretty. Then we did the whole other side of the mountain. So El Cedral, and I put up some video if you happen to follow, is like the middle of the mountain. And we went over to the far right and left side. If you're looking at the mountain and saw different areas, El Cielito, where like Las Nieves and stuff like that, it's over there. We're going to buy a little bit of coffee from there for the first time. I'm very excited. That's a uh, text buys that yep, stuff. Yeah, yep, totally. And then there's a lot of other amazing coffees up there, like Ocotillo and stuff like that, I think is up between like El Cielito and then Las Flores, which is like a little farther to the right of the mountain. I don't know my directions. So we're going to get coffees from both Las Flores and things. Olivan Fernandez, and it has a t- huge, pretty farm over there. Him and all of his brothers are, have a, a mill and all that, and they're you know their washing station, and they've done um, COE winning coffee, and so yeah, we saw a lot of new stuff this time. It was it was a more comprehensive, epic, epic, epic trip. How did you know how much coffee to book? So yeah. we knew we were going to buy Wilson's coffee and Damien's coffee. Right? How do we know how much to get from those? You said there's four other new farmers. There might even be five. So. Actually, I should have brought my notes out. It doesn't matter. Uh, what happened is I was connecting with Charles, and I was saying, hey, how many bags? We, and we bought Pedro, Pedro Moreno's coffee, not all of it. He's got a ton. Uh, it was essentially that. I was like, how, many, how much total can we add? And he said, basically, we could add up to 30 bags if we didn't pick up any coffee from Pedro Moreno. But Pedro Moreno is on fire right now on the next level. Last year, he was like doing okay. This year, he's crushing it, like insanely crushing it. Um, ben Hameen thinks one of his coffees could win or be, and it'll be COE for sure. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's going really, really good. I So, yeah, Charles is like, basically, you have 30 bags of coffee, 20 if we take 10 from Pedro. And so uh, through the cupping of the coffees, the new farmers, uh, we established, you know, people lose relationships over things, Um yeah, like there's 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 companies who <laughs> were really hater. Were, no, not even hater. I mean, everybody knows that Four Barrel went through some stuff because Four Barrel went through some stuff. They lost a lot of business because they lost a lot of business. They lost oh, the you. ability to buy coffee. Right. So they went from buying hundreds and hundreds of bags of coffee to like way way less. So there was a lot of coffee left on the table for people in the world. So you know, like sure, we picked up a tiny five bags of one of the farmers to establish a relationship. And that was part of it, like establish a relationship and then to find some coffee on different parts of the mountain. It's like the dude in El Cielito, 
he was having a hard life. And when I told uh, Ben Hameen that we're down to, to pick up his five to six bags of coffee or whatever it was, it's like, he's like, oh my gosh, this is, and Ben Hameen like got emotional about it. He's like, this is going to change that guy's life. I can't wait, like whatever. And then there's new farmers just on the come up and it's just, just stuff like that. Like you have the ability, these people are sometimes only delivering two, three, four bags of coffee. So that's not a lot. But at the same time, if you can find a place for it and you're establishing a relationship, knowing our company will grow, then if nothing else, you can buy part of their lot forever and help them. And you can keep adding more and more and more. And then maybe in a best case scenario, everybody grows in tandem. Yep. You can keep buying everything. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. If the company keeps going. And I loved going with Dune as well because we got to also connect and like find out what coffees we like. And it's like, great. For instance, like they may pick up some Pedro Moreno coffee because there's a lot of extra. They got to meet the dude too. And now we can kind of tell stories and go together in the future. And it's just, you know, it's just like being able to say, I could theoretically call them in the future, right? And be like, yo, I want to help this farmer. We're not going to be able to buy all their coffee. They have all this stuff if we don't go together. Would you guys be interested in picking up the other five bags? And since everybody's been up there, they could theoretically be like, yeah. And be like, sick. We can take care of whomever in wherever. And now it's on. Just what? stuff like that's hot to me. It's like collaboration without collaborating at all, you know? What's Todd's demeanor? Todd is the green buyer, head roaster for Dune when he's, when he's talking to farmers. It's, it's really good. It's respectful. It's fun. He, so that was his first trip to Hondo. So I was privileged. And also, I love watching people experience new things. It's one of my favorite things to do. So between him and Matt Fuel, who's like one of the funniest, awesomest people in the world, and Jen Swen, kind of watching their, not their minds get blown per se, but like seeing them compare their previous origin trips and like what it feels like and how it is to deal with the farmers to see them go from like, Oh, this is cool to like connected was my favorite thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, Todd and, and Matt, you know, with Pablo Cruz and Olvin, they just really became, you know, that, that tightness, that tightness is there. That bond is there. They want to buy more of the coffee. They want to invest more. They want to figure out how to do more. And that was, just to see that authenticity of like connection and wanting to do more, it was sick and really it's powerful. You're a green buyer now. Um, I am a green <laughs> buyer also. Add that to the list of things that <laughs> I get to do today. Only there. Uh, and again, I mean, I, that's, that's also protective. It's something that I want to do. It takes some time and it takes some effort, but at the same time, I think it's one of those things that I want to stick with because it's a way. It's a way to feel connected to something bigger than myself that is very far away. And, and it's, yeah, there's real connection. There's real power. There's real outcomes for everybody in that case. It's clear that you get energy from it and you don't yeah. have to commit to being the green buyer. No. Traveling 200 days a year, however people do Oof. it, which sounds terrible to me. It's not for me. But it also sounds really spread out. I can't manage that many relationships at once. It's hard for sure. I, I would rather go all in like you are, like going all in on one or two. Yeah. And just having this be your zone. Like, right. And I mean, you Hondo's had four. Spot. Yeah, Hondo's our spot. Yeah. And if we had four more farmers, it's like, great. We were there for a total of three and a half full days. You know, you got like a, a half day on each side of it where you're there, but you're not able to do a bunch. And yeah, like maybe next next time I go, it'll have to be like four and a half, five days so that we can spend time with all of them. But at the same time, I mean, it's just so life-giving. I mean... It's hard to explain to people, but half the time you're just almost sitting together in silence, smiling and looking around at stuff. Yet 
I mean, how that's like the most genuine form of connection sometimes. When you're like both really like each other, there's totally a, an, an inability to communicate well. But you're just like there, you're in it, you eat some food together, you kick it, you look at stuff, you smile, you, you pick up the little words here and there. And yeah, Benjamin's translating for us, so it's not all lost, but it's just, it, you just leave feeling like I, I'm excited to see you next year. And, I, and they are too. It's, it's truly like, a, it's one of the pinnacle moments of their year. And I, I can honestly say it's one of the pinnacle moments of my year too. So it's something that I don't take lightly. I'm excited that Jen got to see it now, somebody from our team, because last year it was just you and myself, and I, I'm excited to bring more people there. Sidebar also, we're going to take Ben Hamin to Disneyland. He's never been. He's oh going to be in the God. States in October. No way. So Todd, I was like, Todd and I both had the idea. I was like, let's split his ticket and just treat him to a couple of days, because that guy... Obviously. He needs a day off. I, when I saw him last year, he was like, I took like two days off all year. And I'm like, what? He's That's like, real. He's like, no bullshit. Like, literally, all year. And I don't even know how he does it and maintains his his attitude, which is overwhelmingly positive and energetic. Yeah, that guy. I, good for you, Ben. I mean, I mean, he can hang through stress I could not. And <laughs> by like, I don't know how he does it. I think you have to be wired. It's like his magical gift. But like he really does. We're up there on the mountain, which I mean, let's break. We can break down some of the real problems. So, true story. There's all these different varieties of coffee. You've heard me say a few of them. Catamore is one of them that is known for being kind of vegetal, not the favorite for specialty coffee buyers like ourselves. Eighty percent of of Hondo's coffee has been Catamore. They do a lot of sea coffee, which also goes through. That's commodities coffee. That's the kind that's sold, and we have our price listed on Wall Street. Like the price for it's like right around a dollar, which is very low, and. They had Catamore because it was rust resistant. Well, guess what? Out of the blue, out of nowhere, it's not rust resistant anymore. So that's a gnarly. So the sea market, which is also about 80% of the business that San Vicente does, that kind of coffee is, has been attacked. The, the productions are down, and that's a big deal. It's a big loss. And it, it does all come and go. Like, that's a thing that happens with farming. But... It's a big thing to figure out. And Ben Hameen is stressed about it. But then on the other side of it, he's kind of excited because now he's like, well, there's no excuse now for them not to plant like more quality coffee. And he's not, he's just trying to look at it with a positive spin. So they do have one kind of coffee. It's called Pare Nema. And it's a coffee that the country produced that is rust resistant. It's the only one now that has been able to be rust resistant. And the coffees that are Pare Nema taste amazing. He calls it like the geisha of the of the hybrids. That's like, I mean, Damien's coffee's so good. That was the first time I'd ever heard of that. Same variety. I was like, I never heard of this shit before. Yeah. But this shit is banging. Matt's espresso. Whoo. Oh my gosh. I had it today. Oh my gosh. So gnarly. I was very happy. (laughs) I'm like, that's a night ripper, dude. It's just so, it's got, I I love that it's got it all. The, the, I can't even talk about it. It's hard. I, there's nuance. Yeah. There's a lot of sweetness, but there's also complexity. And then the X factor is that even at a large shot volume, it's still got a really amazing texture. So to it. much like syrup. The mouthfeel is insane. And I'm like, this is the perfect espresso. It's so syrupy. I can't. It's true. I can't fathom it. And that's a Parinema thing. So I found out blind that I love the Parinema variety. And. Great. So now we're going to have four of them from four different parts of the mountain this year. And they're just 
there's a taste to them. It's almost like those people who like margojipes or pacamaras. Right. I mean, sorry, I admit. But pacamara has kind of a distinct flavor. So do these. It's been pretty cool to to taste them and to see that there's a lot of opportunity. Not only that, but it's it's rust resistant. And we have a sample also from Pedro Moreno. He has never produced Parinema. He has some this year, and I'm like, oh, please let it be good. Five Parinema must be sick. Thing, I think I'm turning into a weird variety guy because I love Pacamara and I love Pacamara Espresso. And yeah. now I'm like, ooh, developing this taste for Parinema. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, just give me the weird shit. Like, yeah. I don't even want to... I don't want to drink Catchway anymore. No, it's... No shade, but I'm... Yeah. Let's get fucking funky with it. Yeah, it's it was fun. So, I mean, I got to learn a lot about that, and Benjamin cares. So part of these going to farms is he sees things like, okay, you've got crazy rust, or because of the climate and potential climate change, like you're seeing some some yellow leaves, it's structure, and that's kind of been a consistency on all the farms we've gone to, is that, and it's normally nitrogen, there's missing nitrogen in the leaves if they turn yellow, but there's also just potentially the ability of like, too much sun exposure and not enough water. So he's up there telling some of the farmers, like Olvin, who's having bumper crop, insane amounts of coffee. And they, the plants aren't able to sustain themselves because all the nutrients are going to the cherry. He's all, Olvin, you got to get fertilizer up here like right now so that you can harvest this. And then the rest of these cherries will actually get ripe and delicious. Otherwise, you're missing out on a ton of opportunity. Mm. And so he's up there doing that. But not only is he doing that, he's calling agronomists and people who know to be able to say like, what do I do about this? So I can tell these farmers how to approach their world. So he's, he's so much more than just like the dude he's invested on all these levels and he is liaisoning so much and he just, he loves it. It's crazy. He just loves it. He loves them. He knows them all. He's in it. He's conversing with them. He's back and forth. He's up on that mountain in each one of those cities, like two, three times a week. And it's a total passion project because what you said before about the sea market being 80% of his mill, his livelihoods, income is super true. I mean, when we were there last last year, the amount of coffee that goes through that specialty is super, super small. Mm-hmm. And even if, even if all of that, he sells all the specialty and it goes really, really well, he will not be able to pay his bills there. No, that's not where it comes from. It's not at all at. for him, his dad, any of them. So, you know, it's... It's important. He needs to, he's working really hard with a bunch of people, figuring out how to get coffee sold that is like scoring low and like how to make it work and like finding people who are willing to do flavored or like want to do flavored coffee and connecting with them so that they can buy the stuff that's like low, low grade that nobody wants to pick up so that somebody can still make their money as he can make their money. And he knows that it's not just about him. That's the thing. Like he is the middleman of a country's industry of export that provides for their lives. So he feels that way every day. And I think that's part of what drives him is that he genuinely cares about human beings on both sides. He loves us. Like I love connecting with him. He's a real dude. And he knows that everybody wins when this works. (laughs) So he's willing to never take time off probably to a fault, but also because that's how it works there right now. And that's just the way it is. And it's definitely what keeps him going. He also lived there, grew up there. That's him. He's a part of that community. Yeah. You touched earlier on the difference between an importer and an exporter. Right. So he doesn't get the luxury of, let's say, oh, or maybe not luxury, but that disconnectedness that comes with like, oh, I live in California and Mm -hmm. I import coffee or I live somewhere in the States and import coffee. I visit the farm for, you know, a couple months out of the year, but he's like, I grew up here. These are my people. It's very true. This is not just a place. 
No. It's not just a random town. Like these are friends of my friends of my family from like many years gone by. Yeah, it's that is the culture. I mean, like I said at the beginning, him and his family live on this land. He's planning to get married at some point, and when he does, that land has space where he will build another house for him and his wife. But that's not only there. It's like you go up and he's all this all in El Cedra, like from here, will you pass the spot on the street? He's all this is all Moreno land. And dude, the Morenos have including the cousins that all live around there, like 300 plus cousins and relatives because they all have like four to nine kids. And so they're all just like, they all just kind of like continue to spread out from that area. And it's like, so yeah, all the family lives around there. And then from here to here, it's like Damien and his sister and her brother. And they all are just, that's, that's just how it works there. So unless you leave, you essentially just keep on expanding on the land that you own and you stay together and you work together. Like Damien was drying his sister's coffee in his beds. And dude, he had our, our, our depulper from last year hooked up with a brand new fermentation tank he made. Oh, really? Bro, I'll show you a picture in a second. It was so sick. What? I know I need to figure out a way to get all this stuff, whatever, synthesized into something that people can watch well, but it's badass. That's sick. It's all just really cool. And you're seeing his pockets trees and like that whole side of the farm. Like there's a lot of opportunity there that I'm like, man, it's just, and it's exciting, dude. Cause you're like, I like drinking good coffee. I like drinking this cool stuff that you feel connected to. It's really fun. And he's excited about it too, because I get excited about it. And that's fun. If nothing else to like bring that energy of true appreciation and love from home and have, have it be felt by them and, and the people that you connect with there and then have them feel like, okay, this is all f- so worth it. That's, <laughs> that's so neat. Sick. Yeah, it's badass. <laughs> and that's how you do origin. Yeah, so just find your connected space. I think you'll know, though, for anybody out there who is a green buyer, some of you get to actually connect with farmers. Some of you are kind of more liaisoned by a company, an importing company. And both of those work great. If It all depends on what you want to do. But if... I would say if you could try to find your way to a smaller trip where you're able to just talk more, connect more, ask more questions and, and try to find, find your way to those trips just because I think that's where you're going to get the most connection in all the ways back to be able to speak to it here or wherever you live. And I just think that's, that's the way to go. The big ones are perfect for intro level or if you're just out to literally buy coffee and you want to experience it, but they, the importing companies do an amazing job of making it easy for all of us. And so does Ben Hameen, but there's a difference between what these people's lives are really like and what we get to see sometimes. And that to me, I think is why I love Honduras the most is Ben Hameen takes great care of you, but you get to really be there and you get to see what it's like and you get to see that they go and like Damien's family made us lunch. You get to see that they're growing chickens to kill and eat the chicken. And they're growing vegetables to eat the vegetables. Like he made us fresh carrot juice because he has tons of carrots. Carrot, lime, sugar. Here's your juice to go with lunch. Like it's all stuff they use. It's kind of rad because it's simplicity. It's minimalism. But it's also like the only way you can work it out there. And we could learn a lot from that here, I think. If we could just get over our egos of being able to need to be perfect and comfortable and all that stuff. And I got a long way to go. That's not a speech saying I got it. Not even close, but I think that's one thing that I love learning when I'm there and what I come back with is like, honestly, dude, if I could just like speak Spanish well, have some food on my table and like a good family life, that really, that really in friend life, like that's really all that matters. 
<laughs> and that's a big deal to remember. It's good perspective. Let's just cap it there. I think that's all right. That's an amazing. Let's call it amazing journey. Let's call it capped. Thanks for coming, everybody. See you at another Welcome time. Welcome, Jared, back. Woo! The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. They make coffee brewers. Ever heard of them? If you haven't, you should. They're an awesome family-owned company. They're here in California. They power their facility with solar power, which I hear that's like a new hot thing that progressive people do. The best thing about Curtis, in my humble opinion, is the turnaround time on the brewers. They have a 24-hour turnaround. It's phenomenal. If you've ever ordered a brewer for a wholesale client from someone else and waited and waited and waited for it to come in, you know how frustrating that is. So being able to get the brewer next day like that is absolutely amazing. Shout out to you, Wilbur Curtis. Their customer service is phenomenal. And they just care. They care about you. They care about me. And I care about them. And that's why Cat Cloud Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis.